Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and as always, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are excited? Yeah, I'm I'm excited. We're something. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about the 1980-something movie, Heavy Metal. Columbia Pictures presents Heavy Metal. A trip beyond the future to a universe you've never seen before. A universe of mystery. A universe of passionate fantasies. A universe of terrifying evil. A universe of magic. Heavy metal. Okay, so this movie is bonkers. Do you have a synopsis for us, Monsieur Hadelston? I do. Heavy Metal is a 1981 film, and it was produced by... Uh, oh, I just lost my... Damn it. Uh, it's, it, it is an animated film, and it features a bunch of... It was Canadian. It features a bunch of... SCTV people in uh, voice roles. John Candy, Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, um, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis is actually the producer of it. Uh, the director, there's a bunch of directors because it's a bunch of segments. But anyway, the synopsis, a glowing green orb, which embodies ultimate evil, terrorizes a young girl with an anthology of bizarre and fantastic stories of dark fantasy, eroticism, and horror. Yeah, that's a very highbrow way of summarizing this movie. I it is, yeah. So had I don't recall if you said you had ever seen this before. Nope. I've seen this several well, times. I don't think so. I'd ever seen so it before, nope. So let's start with you. All right, well... Okay, so there's a lot. It's really... Uh, my impression of it is it's really a bunch of sort of... Heavy Metal's a magazine, or was, mm -hmm. is, or was... Did you ever, it still exists. Did you ever read it or look at it or anything? No. So my, it's a, it's, it was a French magazine and my memories of it. Heavy metal. Is heavy metal. Yeah. Is, uh, I never bought it or owned a copy or anything like that, but I remember seeing it on newsstands as a kid and, um, it's, and the movie is, you know, exhibits a lot of this, but it w it was basically like a comic book for adults. So there's a lot of nudity and a lot of, you know, like extreme violence and things like that. And I can remember every once in a while being in a store and kind of as a kid, you know, I was probably like 10 or 12 or something like that and kind of sneaking a peek through it, you know, uh, rifling through it and, you know, making sure nobody saw me or anything. So that was my recollection of the, uh, 
of the comic or the magazine. But yeah, they they still uh, publish it. It strikes me as this is just a sort of like greatest hits of some of their favorite stuff from the magazine I animated so, in 3D yeah. loosely stitched together with this glowing green evil orb through line the Loch Nahr as an excuse to be yeah. like, I am evil in a lot of ways. I'm evil in this way. Wait, but there's more evil in a different way. Look at this evil. And so it's this anthology of, um, you know, cartoons. I liked that it was still um, cell animation. I didn't mm-hmm. like how lazy people were in the 80s with cell animation, right? There'd be a mm-hmm. lot of looping backgrounds and static backgrounds with just little animated person scampering across the static. I mean, I, Disney did that, I know, but still I felt like, you know, they weren't spending a lot of love on the actual execution of it. Um, right. It is, it's extremely juvenile. You know, I feel like it was a bunch of 20 somethings, um, making a movie written by a 14 year old. That's, you know, in, yes. in, in, yeah, that's a good description. Amplified by the 80s. So there is mm-hmm. a lot of nudity. There is a lot of adolescent fantasy that perhaps certainly borders on and probably even crosses over to, into the overtly uh, misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like the movie is conscious of itself being intentionally misogynistic, but. But there it is. I mean, the orb sort of terrifies this young girl. And there's the movie sort of delights in that, you know, and mm-hmm. they're all the women disrobing are, you know, are implausible, enormous breasts and, you know, legs mm-hmm. that are too long <laughs> and situations where they're just these sort of sex objects for the kind of adolescent minded aliens and people there. I mean, there isn't. It's not pornographic um, in the sense that you see X-rated stuff, but there's a lot of nudity and a lot of like women sort of subjugated in various ways. And uh, sex is obviously gestured at, there's a scene where there's a cabbie of the future and it's a sort of a noir tale set in the future. And he meets this femme fatale and they go back to his place and have sex. And while it's not, triple x rated you know they're animated in bed in the way that a film would be where you know her lower half is covered by the blanket and it's just uh, i don't know i i didn't get a lot out of it honestly i i did think that Mm -hmm. some of the artwork and design was um lush and well done but i i'm not sure that i got any more out of it animated on screen than i would have reading it you felt like graphic novel stuff you pick up a graphic novel and you think wow this artist is really good or look at the layout of that panel or this whole page is working from a design like i love the way they do the zombies here that's so great you know and i don't Mm -hmm. know that having it move made it better for me Mm-hmm. But it felt like 80s, like Mad Magazine for people 10 years older. Like, I'm allowed to buy it now. I'm 18, Mom. Leave me alone. Get out of my room, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of a glorified beat-off magazine. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it, it's very of its time. Um, 
And it's very, like you said, it's, I, I think a great way to describe it is it's just like if it were written for, you know, by a 14 year old. And there is a one segment, which I think is probably the weakest segment to me in the movie is there's a segment where there's, so the Lochnar thing, it's just this green orb that goes from person to person. And some people it kills them and some people it gives them powers and stuff. I mean, it's very, it's very loosely what the Lochnar is. is it's very... different sizes. It's sometimes it glows and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it glows differently. Yeah. And it's very, it seems to me, it's very loosely described what the point of it is, you know, but it's kind of the wraparound story is the Lochnar talking to this girl. But there's a segment where uh, this literally teenage boy finds um, the, the Lochnar and it transforms him into, he goes to like another planet and it transforms him into this, you know, he's just this little skinny teenage boy and it transforms him into this huge muscular bald guy who's strong and, you know, women, as soon as they see him, they want to sleep with him. So it's, I mean, that, that segment right there is just, it's not even, it's literal. uh, It's literal teenage boy fantasy. And it's voiced by John Candy, which is one of my favorite things in the movie. Actually, gosh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He does. He does more than one voice in it. And like I say, he's very recognizable. I didn't pick up, Eugene Levy or or uh, I didn't pick up Joe Flaherty Eugene or the Levy different either, ones. but I I did hear um, there's a scene where a couple of aliens are like these burnouts and they've got they do basically space coke they have this big cart of white powder mm-hmm. that they kind of dump all over the floor and then they're they're aliens that have kind of big elephant like snouts and they just snort it all up and then they're high mm-hmm. and they land the spaceship bad. One of those is um, you can recognize. Um, you just said his name, Peter Venkman. Eugene Levy no, or Joe Flaherty? No, no, um, the guy who was uh, uh, Venkman in Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, 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 shoot! You know, I mean, it Sorry. doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. <laughs> My point yeah. is, is just like it's. I think they thought that it would be a stoner film. Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Yeah, that it would be a stoner film that would, you know, go over big on weekends and maybe be a rental, have some success in rentals. I don't know. I think it probably was a stoner film because I I remember, geez, I was probably in high school and I was in a video rental place and um, they had heavy metal there. And I, I don't know, I said something to the the guy working in there and he was like, Oh yeah. He was like, I saw that in the theater. And he was like, that was just, everybody was high, you know? And it was just like, I think it was a bit of maybe a, you know, kind of a midnight movie for a little while, but I guess it was a modest hit. Um, the budget was about 9 million and it, it made about 20 million in the theater and I'm sure it did well on video. Um, and the other thing about it is the soundtrack. Yeah. Soundtrack was a gigantic, but, you have but the mix um, sucks. Did you notice that? It sounds, <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yeah. I don't know why the sound is so bad on the soundtrack. You know, you have all these, but you spent uh, 9 million on it. You can't spend another two days in post making the music. Yeah. I was amazed watching it this time. How, uh, how bad it sound, but you have, 
there's a bunch of like Sammy Hagar and Stevie Nicks. Uh, Cheap Trick has two songs. I'm a Cheap Trick fan, and I really like the two songs that are in this. But as he said, they sound terrible in it. Um, uh, Devo, Working in a Coal Mine, came from this. And the one that I've always thought is hilarious because it was such a giant song, Open Arms by Journey, was written for this movie. You are kidding and, me. No. It was for the soundtrack. That's my understanding. I don't I don't think it was, you know, like from some other album. Um, That's a legit song. Yeah. And I wonder how many people know, like, oh, this came from this weird uh you know animated better off Canadian film movie. (laughs) But uh yeah, they play it in the when the the cabbie guy takes the woman into his his place, they're playing it in that scene for a little bit. So but um I mean, perfect uh, example. That character's name is Harry Canyon. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. And, you know, yeah. the the art I chose to put on this episode of the podcast is a picture of the sort of sword woman at the end named uh, Tarna, I think is what it is. Yeah, something like that. And it's just this classic D&D male fantasy. She's a total badass. She has a big sword. She has thigh high boots and like um, uh, the equivalent of thigh high boots, but in gloves and mm-hmm. otherwise basically a bikini, you know, and mm-hmm. she spends half of her time on screen naked being sort of captured and snarled at by some menacing grunt and the other half of the time cutting people up with her sword. And you're just kind of like, OK, well, that kind of. It leaves women completely out. This film is not aimed at women. This film is aimed no. aimed at, you know, boys 15 to, you know, an immature 30. And, mm-hmm. and the, the end, you know, there's nothing yeah. in this for anybody else. At least with her character, she does spend a bunch of, you know, a good bit of time naked. But at least she has the badass as- aspect, whereas every other woman, every other woman in this is just to satisfy the male characters. You know, one of and them it's... is literally a Jewish. They're up in space, and she's like this secretary that's like, "I want a Jewish wedding," and she keeps badgering this mm-hmm. robot that she has sex with to marry her. Mm-hmm. It's I'm just like, oh my god, come on! But but any, you know, they just immediately sleep with whatever man you know, is there. I, there was a funny, it, it struck me as funny because I assume it was supposed to be a joke, but, but they play it very straight. But with the one with the, uh, the teenage boy that becomes the kind of superhero thing, you know, he meets this woman who's just like, Oh, you know, immediately she's just like, I'll do anything, you know, to please you. And she, you know, disrobes. And like you said, has these giant breasts. And he says, uh, you have really great eyes. <laughs> I don't know. That, that made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I I don't know if that was supposed to be a joke or not. But but yeah, it's so this was one I've seen this several times. It was um, and it had been a long time since I'd seen this, but uh, they used to show it on TNT or USA or one of those channels late at night. You know, it would be on like every Saturday. Um, And so. You know, I can remember being in high school or maybe even college and would like go out and then come home, you know, and this would be on. And I, I always knew it was, you know, it was cheesy, but I remember the, 
I remembered the animation as being better than what it is. It's still, I mean, I think they, for the budget that they had, and this wasn't, you know, I think this was uh, animated in Canada. I don't think this, you know, was farmed out to China or something like that, but you know, some of it looks pretty good. I, I think the strongest segment in it is there's one, um, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but there's one where it's like a world war two, uh, bomber or fighter plane. Right. And, uh, basically there are these kind of skeleton zombies that attack the guys in the plane and then the plane. Crashes. Well, the plane gets then, all you know, shot up. Yeah, uh, on a bombing run, and then the Loch Nar, which is the glowing green orb, does a flyby for no reason. Um, mm-hmm. And the guys that have been the whole crew in the back of the plane, the the two guys in the cockpit survive, and one of them, the co-pilot, says, "I'll go check on everybody," and he goes back and he finds them all shot up. I mean, they've just been shot by, uh, I think, ground to surface to air, you know machine guns or something yeah yeah so they're Mm -hmm. they're all shot up but it's pretty grisly and then as he's back there the guy the the corpses come back to life and come after him and they get him and the pilot crash lands on this island and it's sort of this plane graveyard right Mm -hmm. and he gets out of the plane and then all these other kind of flyboy zombies come crawling out of their planes and that's the end of it right they just yeah. they're all converging on him and it's just a little twilight zoney horror story but i've always kind of liked that segment the best it was and good, i don't yeah. know if yeah and i don't know if that one was adapted from a uh from the the comic itself um i'm you know i'm sure just um uh in still images it's probably you know, looks really great, but it looks pretty good, you know, in this, I, I think that's the best example of, and I remember, I remembered that as being really scary. It's not, I mean, it's, it's kind of eerie, but, um, but I like the design of the, these kind of skeleton, um, you know, yeah. pilot guys. Yeah. I, that was originally the art that I, I had for this episode. And then I went back and reconsidered it and thought, no, I'm not going to put like my favorite bit of this movie on here. I'm going to put something mm-hmm. that I think is more indicative of the overall film. Well, and she is definitely that Tarna or whatever her name is. She's on the poster. She's on the soundtrack cover. Um, I think they, maybe somebody has made action figures of this at some point. Um, and she is definitely, I think what people think of when they think of this, this movie. Um, and I think that, I think the segment with her is supposed to be kind of the centerpiece of the movie. Well, Um, what we learn is, so the, this, the, the orb that is tormenting this little girl, throughout says i will show you one final thing before i destroy you right and this is this it's this tarna episode and it's not clear why he's showing it to her but somehow in that tarna episode she ends up destroying the orb right it's Mm -hmm. like this giant thing in the distance behind the mountain and so she goes and she finds it and she destroys it. it's like no and so then we cut back to the living room where it's literally being destroyed. I'm like, so wait, you were showing the girl this thing. You didn't realize you'd die in the end. I don't know what's happening. 
Anyway, then it, it really turns sense. out that the girl sort of then turns into Tarna. Mm -hmm. And it's like because her bird dragon thing, you know, comes and lands. Right. Yeah, and then and, they... and it's, it's like and another cycle continues or something. It's just so... yeah, of the the evil is destroyed, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a very loose and uh... a new Tarna, you know, rides off into the sunset until the next time when the whole thing. Repeats. Yeah, there's going to be another Loch right. Yeah, I'm, I don't I don't know that I needed a, a through line here no you know, i think you... it would have been fine to just be a exact a bunch of segments that don't just been an anthology and you could have made the music sound good like when we were doing highlander or flash gordon for that matter they had the wherewithal like they got this power rock queen soundtrack mm -hmm. in each of those movies and when the fight sequence would happen they would like just dial up the music and freddie mercury mm -hmm. and queen would start belting out and the guitars are and you'd be like, all right, you rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And this one, it's like a kick-ass song would come on in the background, and it sounded like it was playing on a mono radio in the other room. Yeah, and exactly. you're like, you got a Sammy Hagar track, and you're not gonna like. It needs to shoulder every other audio thing out of the way and stand right in your face and blast that guitar in your face. Like that's the whole point of having a soundtrack like this. Somebody is missing out. You know, there are a lot of. Um as as uh you know physical media has kind of decreased and streaming has taken over there have been several companies that that release these kind of cult films like this um in really special you know they remaster them and do really nice special editions with them and everything somebody is missing out by not going in and remixing this you know probably i yeah. think um but now here's one interesting thing, and this this uh, was completely uh, uh, just a coincidence. But um, there is a, uh, a show on Netflix that just had its its second uh, season hit, um, which I've not watched, but you said you have watched called Love, Death, and Robots, yeah, which is an animated anthology, and um, David Fincher is the like the executive producer on that. And he actually tried to make a new heavy metal movie. Um, and I don't know if he couldn't get the rights or, or what happened, but it fell through. And then the work on that was what became Love, Death and, Death and oh, Robots. Wait, he was trying to remake it or just make a new one? He was just trying to make a new one. Same idea. My understanding. Just same idea, but new stories, you know. Um, so, you know, I think it can be absolutely said that this movie directly had an influence on that show. Um, obviously, I mean, it's much higher production values. Yeah. Um, That's you know, much really better animation. It's a really interesting show. So we ought to, I'll try to watch it here in the next week or two, but that'd be something, you know, we could, we could talk about it at an end of end of an episode if you wanted sure. to, because, you know, I, I think it's very much in the wheelhouse of the, of the podcast, but, but yeah, I, and they made a second, um, there was like a heavy metal 2000, um, that, you know, came out in 2000 and I think it, I never saw it. I think it was a lot of CGI stuff and it, it didn't look too appealing, you know, too appealing to me, but yeah, apparently yeah. at least David Fincher was really into this and, you know, wanted to make, 
wanted to make a new one. So it's amazing what um, they can do with CGI now. I can't remember what I saw recently that was it wasn't even 2020 or 2021 but it was 20 teens and it was some i don't know if it was final fantasy or but it was all cgi mm-hmm. and i was struck on the one hand by like wow that is they are really starting to get down like human faces like that is mm-hmm. so much better even than you know warcraft or whatever but there's still this uncanny valley that you don't get to the other side of, you know, it still Mm. doesn't, it's not the same as watching a human act and it's still not the same as watching hand painted, which I know you'd never see anymore, but. And it's a shame really though. I mean, you, cause you have it, you know, you have, uh, I guess it's just, it's simpler to do um, maybe, but uh, you, you know, you have all of these comedy shows that are hand drawn animation and, you know, you have Rick and Morty. Right. Um, and even it takes them forever to, to do a season, but the venture brothers, you know, is hand drawn an- animation, which by the way, did you see that they're, they're going to make a venture brothers? Uh, I mean, it's going to be animated, but HBO max is, is has announced a venture brothers animated movie. No, but I, I've never watched venture brothers. Oh, I thought we'd talk. Okay. I thought we'd talk to Oh, you should watch venture brothers. You, you would really like, you would it's give me right the your, give me the give me the pitch because I love Rick and Morty. So Venture Brothers is essentially, um, uh, shoot, um, Johnny Quest. Yeah, it's it's like a funny, it's like a spoof of Johnny Quest, but they spoof. It's it's very uh, elaborately written. Um, they spoof, they spoof all kinds of things, but they spoof superheroes and it, and it gets better as it goes along because the early seasons of it, you know, the, the animation isn't as good, but, uh, you know, cause they just weren't putting as much money into it. But I think you would really like Venture Brothers. All right. Venture Brothers is really great. You have, uh, um, so it's like this dad who is like a super genius and his two sons. And then he has this his like bodyguard who's named Brock and he's this big blonde bodyguard and he's voiced by, by the guy uh, who did the tick. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was on, you know, Seinfeld and everything yeah. putty on Seinfeld and all that. So he's, I mean, he's just awesome. Yeah. Venture brothers is awesome. But, but any, anyway, kind of back to heavy metal here. One thing that I I think appealed to me about this as a kid is I've always liked hand drawn animation and you, for the most part, you know, in the eighties or seventies or nineties or whenever, when it came to movies, you either had, you know, Disney hand drawn animation or some other studios that did those kind of things. So animation for kids or you had anime but there wasn't really a lot of this animation for adults that was, uh, you know, done in the United States or in this case in Canada, you know? So I always thought the, in the, with this love, death and robots, uh, I know at least, I don't know about the new season, but at least some of it is, you know, is hand drawn. Um, uh, I just, I, I kind of always wish there were more of that, you know? Yeah. I, uh, Did you ever see Ralph back? She's the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. That was one that Been I loved. Long, it's long time. not great in rewatching, but um, yeah. when I was a kid, I got excited about it for those very reasons, that this is 
a beloved property. It's an American production. Um, you know, it, you know, they, they, reci- it's trippy and they recycle a lot of <laughs> Ralph Bakshi's so lazy. <laughs> it's just a lot of recycled, um, you know, footage in it, but some of that I imagine was just budgetary too. You sure. Know, Cause animation is super, super expensive, you know, to do, Sure, but they did a lot of, he did a lot but of, if you're still um, watching the same thing. I mean, if it was a yeah. music video that was three minutes, it was one minute of footage sort of recycled and looped over three minutes. You'd mm-hmm. feel you like, why am I, I've seen this. Like, why am I watching? You know, this is a waste of my time. It's, yeah. it's just filler. So, I mean, I get that it's expensive and blah, 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 but I don't, I don't care. It's like, I'm still He did a lot garbage. of, uh, oh, sure. He did a lot of rotoscoping, which is where, um, you know, they film actual people and then draw over yeah. them. Um, and I, I, I kind of wondered if there was some of that in this. Definitely. It, it seemed a little bit, yeah, at times. Like Not the all of them. kind of looked like rotoscoping. No. But some of them. Tarna, for sure. Yeah. Um, so... But yeah, I like I say, that's one of the things that I always kind of liked about this is I just I like the idea of it. And I always kind of wish there was more and and better versions of this um, because there's you know, there's just not there's not a lot of this. And, you know, now, um, you know, unless Netflix wants to make some hand drawn weird stuff, which, like I say, they're doing with. Uh, love death and robots you know this is kind of a lost uh art form i guess there's a lot of computer generated and love death and robots yeah um i thought i would have said i know in the first season there was in the second season too um mm-hmm. there is an irish company that makes has made three beautifully um hand animated um movies i think it's the secret of kells or the book of the Kells, something is the first one, and then there's the Song of the Sea, and then Wolf Walkers mm-hmm. is the third one, and they're all gorgeous. Um, and I highly recommend all three of those if you're into. Oh, okay. It. They're family friendly too. They're you know yeah, they're in the sort of wheelhouse of Pixar, but it's not it does no affiliation with Pixar, and it's all hand drawn, and the art mm. is gorgeous. Hmm. I th- believe maybe I've heard of those. I'm not I'm not quite certain, but it sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, I think it's the secret of the Kells or something like that cuz there is a book of Kells that's a famous illustrated manuscript, right? Maybe I'm yeah. I don't know. Look it up. It's very good. All three of them are very good. Very good, very good. Yeah, so um uh, like I say, I imagine this probably did well, you know, cause this would have been right at the time that, cause it was 1981. This would have been right at the time that, uh, uh, home video was really becoming a big thing. Yeah. So I, I bet this, they, this probably made a lot of money on home video. Cause I'm sure there were a lot of teenagers that rented this and, you know, got high or drunk or whatever, you know, while they watched it Yeah, or beat off. So beat off to it yeah yep i mean Uh, i'm sure that happened plenty as well i'm sure that happened Uh, plenty yeah so it has dropped um, off since the 80s it's just (laughs) we don't need to have that what people beating off to animated things masturbation is just pretty much dried up yeah nobody does that stuff anymore um and i and again this is one of these things where 
you wonder how this would, um, you know, this was so much different of a time than what it is right now. Uh, you know, for, you know, for us to have seen this when we were like 12 or 13 or something like that, you know, it would have been pretty exciting. Yeah. Whereas very racist because lots of boobs, because yeah, lots of boobs. And, you know, I can remember this is something that, you know, a, a kid today would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but watching like if somebody didn't have HBO watching scrambled HBO, cause you might see, right. you know, you know what I mean? Right. You might see, uh, you might see something and, you know, with kids today where there's just, you know, the, you just the internet, a click the internet, these kids today, even uh, kids today, even, even, even YouTube, you know, kid friendly content stuff gets in there before it gets flagged. Sure. You know? So you get sort of bombed with a bunch of wildly inappropriate or people go out there trying to sneak it in for kids. They try to yeah. either scare kids or upset kids or, you know, show them inappropriate sexual content or all of the above. And it'll be like a kid's video and then spliced right in the middle of it. A couple of seconds is something wildly inappropriate because they're just being deliberately malicious and it gets caught eventually some mm -hmm. parent flags it and it gets taken down. But yeah, people, people so, are garbage. Yeah. People are garbage. Um, but you know, when we were kids, you kind of had to work to find this kind of stuff, you know, whereas kids now, like, I, I don't know if, a you kind of have to work to avoid it. Yeah. I don't know if, a, if, a you know, middle not middle aged middle school age kid watched this movie if he would be phased by it at all you know you know what's interesting is i do feel like there's a kind of an 80s attitude throughout that i find what's the word i'm searching for uh, offended is too strong because, of course, we're children of the 80s. So it's like I remember mm -hmm. it, but it shaped the way that I thought about stuff, you know? Oh, sure. And I didn't, at the time when I was obsessed with girls going through puberty, I, you know, there was, you just saw it everywhere in the culture where women were just this sort of desirable object. You had the fancy car, you had the hot girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the hot girlfriend was in the advertising or whatever. And the show was sort of placed on par with the fancy car. It was just another trophy. Right. And you look at it now and you think, Oh my God, like you had an opportunity to write interesting female characters here. Yeah. And you didn't. And I don't object to the nudity per se, except it's so gratuitous. Right. And mm -hmm. the, the nudity is all about, uh, titillation and the exaggeration of, of a particular type of female body. And there's no genuine intimacy or eroticism to any of it. It's just like oh, boobs. You know, it's very Beavis and Butthead mentality. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, I mean, I suppose they're aiming at that audience. It just felt like a very low pitch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not even like there is, uh, it's one thing that struck me is, um, in the segment where the teenage boy turns into the big superhero guy, which the big superhero is, is voiced by John Candy and he is naked and he immediately gets like a, 
you know, a loincloth. And he was like, I, I, and he's narrating it all through. And he says, um, you know, I had to make sure I covered myself up. I couldn't be walking around with my dork hanging out, you know? So it's like, (laughs) so it's like, it's okay for the women to be completely nude, you know, but, uh, for him to be nude, that's a bad thing. Well, you, know? you you almost felt like the filmmakers threw a line like that in there, A, for a laugh, but B, to be like, no, see, the guys have hang-ups. It's the women who are comfortable with their bodies, and you're like, shut up. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Tarna is the strong female protagonist at the end. I, I don't think she has any dialogue whatsoever, does she? Does she say no, anything? No, I don't think she... I don't think there's lots of people talking at her and threatening her and, you know, saying how they're going to defeat her and she'll never get away with this. Right. But Mm -hmm. I don't think she says word one. I don't think so. I don't think so. And, you know, that's a good point that you made, you know, talking about the 80s. And this is something that I've thought about um, some, you know, going back and watching these things, uh, you know, these 80s movies and, and all of that. Like you said, you know, we were shaped by the movies that we saw then, the TV shows we watched. And I even think about, you know, song lyrics um, and how you'll go back and either listen to these or, or watch these things or whatever and, and just realize, wow, again, we have, you know, with this, we have 40 years on on it, I guess, uh, you know, looking back. But you know, when you just think about how misogynistic a lot of this stuff was, you know, and I don't think it was always that way. Right. I mean, maybe it was maybe if you went back and you watched films of the forties, I don't, I feel like I didn't know the whole culture. Well, so, okay. Before I get myself into too much hot water here, I understand that, you know, gender uh, relations have always been fraught, but in cinema, I think of the Catherine Hepburn movies and they have these fantastic actresses that are Mm -hmm. given smart dialogue and strong character lines. And yes, it may always be bent back around where they end up happily married and thrilled to be subservient to the, you know, Ward Cleaver husband, right? Mm -hmm. You know, happily in their place. But at least they were given intelligent things to say and do on that ride and in the 80s i feel like some of the writing i'm like did 12 year olds write this it's just so you know there's always a dumb blonde and then there's there's a brainy brunette you know it's charlie's angels leaps to mind which i know is the late 70s but it was just Mm -hmm. it was like women are either oh isn't adorable she's a nerd she's a model (laughs) you know but she wears glasses and she's smart and she says things like well, smart things. I, and, but, but, but the blondes always, I don't know. I just stupid. And I love the hair products. And you're like, yeah, that a pretty good ex- have to be that way. A pretty good example of that is, um, Scooby-Doo, you know, Velma and Daphne, although Daphne, they didn't make, you never felt like they tried to make it like Daphne was too dumb, but, but Velma was obviously they didn't you know, take was pot really shots at one. Daphne, but she was the pretty no. she was the pretty popular one. Um, yeah, she didn't have a lot to say. But then you know Fred didn't do a lot either. Fred kind of carried the flashlight and was the first one in the room, or you know right. he'd throw the rope over the people. 
She was participating. Velma was the one that was always like cracking the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had to make her kind of dumpy and bifocals. And in retrospect, she was like a lesbian. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the implication yeah. is that she, that she's got just a, you know, a different lifestyle that we can't underline in the kids cartoon, but, but they put it in right. there. And I'm kind of like, I love that there was little subservient things in that way. Yeah. But that you had no under, you know, absolutely no understanding of as a child, but, but yeah. Um, so I don't know. So, uh, heavy metal, what do we think? Um, I mean, I, 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 this is my go-to. I, I don't think it's a great popcorn movie, right? It's not a great date movie. If you were into this kind of magazine and D and D and, and, you know, like you and I kind of, you know, if, if heavy metal was Mm -hmm. a magazine that would have titillated you as a kid and you're curious, um, yeah, check it out, whatever. It's two ninety nine or three ninety nine rental on the various places, but I don't, it's not that great. Yeah. I think that's a good way of summing it up. You know, people that, that are into this kind of stuff, if you like, um, hand-drawn animation, uh, this is, you know, in a kind of a rare example of Canadian or American hand-drawn an- animation that isn't, you know, it's not anime. Uh, so it's not a Japanese style. It's more crude than a lot of um, anime is. But uh, I mean, it's it's if you like any of the the well, I would say if you like any of the bands. But if you like any of the bands, just listen to the soundtrack because right. the soundtrack sounds good. Right. Don't you know if you want to hear these songs, they don't sound good in the movie. But I, I mean, watching it this time, I, to be honest, I found myself kind of bored. Yeah, you know, it was. It it's not it's only ninety minutes, but it still was a bit of a slog to get through. Um, and like I say, I liked this is definitely one that uh, I don't think it holds up nostalgia wise. I remember liking this as a teenager, um, and of course, you know, and I guess that was who it was geared towards anyway. Um, now, as an adult, it you know, it's just not as it just all comes off as very juvenile and. Um, you know, kind of corny. And there's some, the one segment with the, and the thing is you, I bet you could probably find the segment with the pilots on YouTube, you know? Yeah. Just go and watch that. It's the best, it's the best thing in it. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, it doesn't, it's not mean spirited for the most part. Although the, the animation of the, um, green orb tormenting, you know, kind of threatening the young girl is pretty, you're like, Dude, you know, she's just so yeah. That terrified definitely seemed yeah. That her. seemed and she's this you know innocent I, little girl whose father comes home with uh, a suitcase and she's like, "What did you bring me?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's see. like an astronaut." And he opens yeah. it up and the green thing comes out and vaporizes him and then it advances on her and mm-hmm. uh, you know and and her face is this rictus of terror as it just looms in on her and and you're just kind of like guys like you know and there were a couple of times like she's wearing a dress and there were a couple of times where i thought like is this thing gonna rape her you know it's got that vibe it's upsetting yeah it's upsetting um and i thought i don't know that's hard to buy and you're like it's supposed to be scary and you're like 
you guys are messed up. I don't know, you know. Mm. Yeah, scaring a little girl is not. It's just and and uh, there's such a it it sort of it sort of languishes in it, you know, and it sort of like twists the knife in a way that's very pleased with itself. And you're like, yeah. Ew. Man. Yeah. So, so it's a but the whole uh, thing doesn't have that tone. No, no. Some of it's funny. Some of it's serious or, you know, it's meant to be funny. It's some of it's more lighthearted. I was going to look here just really quickly what the, uh, and of course my computer is being slow. I was going to look to see what the, what the IMDB score is on this. So it is heavy metal, blah, blah, blah. Of course it would be slow while I'm trying to look this up. Um, heavy metal 1981 is a 6.7 with 32,000 reviews. That's actually a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty good score. I would score, call that generous, know? but yeah, it's maybe, I'd say just kind of middle of the road, like a five. Yeah, that's about where you I know. To. So I'm not going to be um, like, don't watch this piece of garbage. But I'm also going to be like, eh, I wouldn't go out of your way for it. Definitely compared to uh, something like um, Akira that we did. Yeah, um, that was crazy. You know, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's just no comparison. No. That animation is just so much better. And yeah, uh, and it's the same on. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 60%. Huh. So. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, okay. So, what should we talk about next time? I think we don't have anything locked and loaded, do we? Yeah, we don't. We don't have anything. Uh, you have any thoughts? Let's do Heavy Metal 2000. <laughs> I thought they never actually got it off the ground. No, no, no. The Heavy Metal 2000 was actually made in 2000. Oh. Um, this was, like, in the last few years that... Uh, that Fincher was trying to do another heavy metal movie. You know, I don't know if it was going to be called heavy metal three or just heavy metal or what, but let's not. <laughs> no, I'm, I was just kidding. I don't, I don't have any desire to watch it. It looked worse than this. I, I thought at the time, you know, I've had a crazy thought in the back of my head. Um, and I don't know. It's a very big, very popular blockbuster, but uh, back to the star Wars. Yes. Star Wars back to the future has come up in in sort of my mind and from a, you know, I was doing a crossword and it was a clue and then I was doing something else and back to the future popped up. And I don't know. I mean that Steven Spielberg, it's hardly fringe, but it is definitely eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could certainly do back to the future. I mean, there's I mean, nothing to say that... we can't do star Wars or Indiana Jones or any of that. Yeah. So this is our podcast. Nobody's listening. No offense. Thank you. Everyone who's listening, <laughs> but it's not like we don't have a huge the network is going to pull the plug. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could do back to the future. I mean, that's again, that's one that it's, it's kind of impossible to separate my, uh, nostalgia yeah. For that. Okay. Well, what else? We don't. Let's not pin ourselves down. Then, like, what's we talked about? Uh, I mean, one that keeps coming, I, and I think it was because I saw something on Instagram about this today. But um, did you say you've never seen Twelve Monkeys? You know, we should do that because I I did see it, but I okay. saw it when it came out, and I have not seen it since. Okay. How about Twelve? Great. Monkeys? We're going to do Twelve Monkeys for next time. Brad Pitt and uh, some other people that you will recognize who went on to have more recognizable careers. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, of course. Madeline Stowe. Madeline Stowe. 
who else? That's the only oh, the only okay. people I remember. Yeah, there's probably somebody else, but that's all I, I remember. I recognize the guy who has the virus vial, and they get oh yeah yeah red I don't. ponytail, and I've seen him in so much since that I'm like, oh, it's that yeah, guy. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what that guy's name is. Billy yeah. Bilson. The Billy Bilson, yeah. Um, I think that's it. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, we can keep chatting and catching up, but I got my second COVID shot yesterday, and I was totally knocked out by it. I did the dumbest thing in the universe. I got it at 7 a.m. And I was mm. like, I should have gotten this at 7 p.m. <laughs> you know, they just gone, just to, gone sleep. to sleep. Yeah. But by noon, I just felt like I had COVID, and took a bunch of Advil and drank a bunch of water and had trouble sleeping last night. And I feel much better today, but also, you know, taking a bunch of Advil and still not fully on it. And I don't know, this is a short episode, but I'm kind of feeling like maybe we've discussed it. <laughs> we didn't have a lot to say anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, so, how are you doing? I mean, let's, let's at least get to the 50 minute mark. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I had the same. Uh, I, I got my uh, COVID shots in February, and um, the second one hit me hard too. I basically couldn't move my arm, uh, and I we we should probably put a disclaimer on here. If you haven't gotten your COVID sh- vaccine. Don't let this podcast no, dissuade you, you from getting you it. You should do it. I'm uh, glad I got. There was a palpable sense of relief. Yeah. Now that I've got I was it done, it did. I and and I do know people that it did not hit this hard. It happened to hit me hard. And and today it's I, like 89 degrees here, so it doesn't help that yeah. it's like suddenly sweltering. Right. I was sick not even for 24 hours. I mean, I would say maybe like 18 hours or something like that. Yeah. But basically, like my arm, I couldn't move my arm. Uh, the arm, you know, that had the shot in and it was basically pretty much flu like symptoms from a fatigue standpoint. It was basically like, it kind of took everything, you know, I only had enough energy to get up and walk to the kitchen or to walk to the bathroom. Yeah. Drink. drink, Um, I didn't go out. Lots of water. I Advil and other, or Tylenol, other fever reducers really. I like Advil because it's also the, um, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and my whole body ached and the Advil really okay. helped with that. So, yeah. And, uh, but the, but I worked out the next day. So oh, that's great. Um, so I I, yeah, we're I digging mean, a patio. I, I, I guess I did dig half a patio okay. today. So maybe I'm just exhausted from the heat. And yeah. The I mean, yeah, that, that wouldn't help, but yeah, it was a good, you know, 12, 16, 18 hours that I wasn't feeling too great. And then by the next day, I was I was OK. Yeah. So it's I, I I have talked to some people who, you know, had a full maybe like 48 hours that they were they were pretty much out. But, you know, after a day, then I was just yeah. totally back to normal. And I've not had any problems since then. I wasn't. You know? I mean, I was not out of commission today. I, I took t- two days off work just in case. So I just went ahead and took today. I probably mm-hmm. could have worked today, but I don't, I wouldn't say I feel good today. Yeah. But I, yesterday I felt bad and today I felt yeah. not good. And I've known other people who, um, uh, like people in my family who had, um, the so was this the Moderna? I got the Moderna, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, it seems to be worse than Pfizer. Like my dad, my dad who's in his eighties had Pfizer, and he had he didn't even 
his arm didn't even get sore. My son, who is 12, um, got his first one the same day, and he got Pfizer because we did it at a different location because we had to get our second mm-hmm. one where we got our first one. Um, mm-hmm. And he said his arm was a little sore, but, you know, if he would tell you if he was in pain. And he was like, yeah. well, just a little sore where the shot was, and that's it. And now that's the first shot. But, yeah, yeah, Rachel couldn't lift her arm either when she got the Moderna. She was like, my arm got it hurt, but I didn't. It wasn't that bad. She was like, "Oh, my arm." I was like, really? Shoots yeah. half my weight too. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but I I know people. Uh, you know, I have family members who got the you know both Moderna shots and didn't have any problem at all. So you know, it just depends depends on the person. Like everything, do it, I guess you do it. Go get the yeah. shot, people. Yeah, don't uh, don't be scared by our you know little bit of problems that we had. So. I don't know. Uh... Totally worth it, dude. I, w- I walked around downtown today without a mask on. Um, it's felt so nice. You know, it just felt nice to be out in public. And, you know, if people were lo- had their masks on, were looking at me nervously, I- I'd put it on for them. But I didn't walk yeah. around feeling like, and I just got it. So, I mean, I'm not even supposed to be immune for another two weeks, but already I'm right. just so ready to be at a place where we have herd immunity and we could be like, I just want to go to a bar or go get dinner or have a barbecue with friends again without having to like tiptoe around all this protocol. And I'm on board. Yeah. Like I'm, a, I'm definitely not an anti-masker. It's just been a long, exhausting year and I'm glad I finally got the oh, shot, sure. you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been going places for about the last month. Cause like I say, I got mine in February, you know? So um, and it's just been in the last month really that I started going to restaurants and stuff. And yeah, at this point, I mean, I'm still, um, you know, I'm still wearing a mask when I go in public places, you know, cause they're still, sure. you know, still requiring it. But, uh, so for people that don't know, I live in West Virginia and I'm right on the Ohio border and Ohio is dropping the mask mandate at the beginning of June. So. I don't know what that's going to be, you know, kind of the flip side of this. I don't know if you've seen or not the, did you see the numbers on the flu? No. For 2020. So the flu, which, and you know, don't, these numbers are not a hundred percent accurate, but you know, the flu kills 30,000 or 50,000 or whatever, you know, number of people it kills a year. And it, this year wasn't even 10,000. I think they said it was like 3,000 or 5,000 wow. or something like that. And they directly attribute it. And wearing masks. It, and wearing masks. Yeah. So it's one of these things where, on the one hand, you know, I'm glad that we can, it looks like we're going to get, you know, quote unquote back to normal. But also, it, I kind of wish we would almost adopt what uh, Asian countries do. And at least during like cold and flu season, if just everybody wore a mask or if, you know, if you know that you're sick, like in New York, you see this all the time in New York, you see again, mostly Asian people walking around wearing a full face mask. And this is pre COVID. Mm -hmm. And at first you're like, you know, what's their deal? You know, do they think we're all diseased? They're like, no, no, they're sick. (laughs) Yeah. They're sick. And so they're wearing a mask so that they can still go to do whatever they're doing and not be breathing it all over the subway car or in your face. Right. Yeah. And I think at the very least, if I'm ever feeling sick, but I have to go grab a thing of milk or whatever, even if I've just got a cough or a, the sneeze or something, I'll just put on a mask. Yeah. 
spare everybody else that instead of coughing it into the air. And I think I'm going to, this has taught me to wash my hands a lot more than I ever did before, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which doctors have said all along. They're like, yeah, hand washing is like the single greatest health initiative of the modern era. You know, you you almost can't wash your hands too much. Wash them frequently. That was something that I, uh, some of, you know, when it all started, I've always been, I'm not super germaphobe, but a little bit germaphobic. So like, you know, all the guidelines where it was like, wash your hands, you know, all the time. All right. I've always been doing that. You know, be careful. I've always been kind of freaked out about, you know, doorknobs and things like that in public places, you know, the door handle and restrooms and all that. So it's like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so the scary thing was that, that they had to tell people to wash their hands. You know what I mean? So it's like, who are these people? And, you know, you see them every once in a while and you almost wish there could be like an alarm or something like that. But when you're in a public restroom and you see somebody walk out without washing their hands and you're just like, oh my God, who is this person? They're like, you make a great point about doorknobs though, because you go, you're in a restaurant, you go into the bathroom, you use the bathroom, you wash your hands and then you dry your hands. And then you grab this doorknob that literally everybody who's used that bathroom has grabbed both coming in and on the way out. And let's just assume Mm -hmm. everybody washes their hands on their way out. They don't. Then on the way in, though, you know, they're all grabbing the, the knob and I'm just kind of like, oh, you really need to like. You really need to have a little pocket hand sanitizer, and then when you sit back down at the table, just sanitize your hands before you pick up. Yeah. Your, you know, start putting food in your face. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, but it, uh, you know, it would be nice if. Um, if people would kind of continue wearing the mask as you said when they're sick but they won't it's america we're not going to do anything smart you they know? won't so. and this will not be the last pandemic either i think no all the things that led up to this one happening are just getting worse and there's going to be more so yeah yeah darn it yep on that note heavy metal can we give it a heavy five metal. Watch it if you yeah, can. Yeah, give it, and give it a five. Yeah, if you if you want to watch it, if you don't. And for next week, yeah, we are going to be watching. It. What did we say? We're going to uh, twelve twelve monkeys. monkeys. That I'm excited. Twelve about. monkeys. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. That'll be fun. I haven't seen that yeah. well since it came out. It's been a while. It's been a long time since I've it's seen it. Yeah, that was like uh, mid '90s, something like that. '95 or '96. So, already. So okay. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Um, for the listeners, if you want to contact us, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. If heavy metal is your favorite movie and you want to yell at us, we're okay with that. Uh, I'll let you read those. No yelling. You don't want to, you don't want to be yelled at. Well, I can take <laughs> it, but I'm not going to invite it. <laughs> um, so, all right. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. All the socials bling, bling, blop next week, 12 monkeys. And we'll talk to you next week.